welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, the king of the kingdom, hey? He is our God. You know, it's important to remind ourselves that we have been saved into a kingdom of God. It is a kingdom because it has a king. And his name is Jesus. And that Jesus is the king of all things. He is the creator of the world. He is the word who spoke into existence the world as we know it. He spoke it into existence. And so it made sense that he would be the one who would also re-speak it into existence as our recreator. He is both creator, but he is savior. He is the promised one. He is when Jesus came to this earth, he came to redeem the whole earth to himself. God's plan is that all men and women would be saved, that no one would perish. And he came to give us righteousness. And we've got to understand that righteousness is, is, is the idea of being made right. It's, it's often translated as right standing, but it's more than that. It's actually making things right according to heaven's goodness. Now, just let that sit with you for a minute. God's plan is not that you would be outside of him. God's plan is that you would be inside him that you are part of Him. Do you know the very breath that you have comes from Him? When God introduced Himself to Moses, He said, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am, translated as basically means I am being itself. I am, very, I am the being from which you got your being. I gave you my being. But the Lord is a really rough translation we often translated as Yahweh, we put the vowels in, but it's not Yahweh, it's W-H, it, it's Y-H-W-H. If you can picture those letters in your head, Y-H-W-H. And the Y in Hebrew is, is so it's it's breath. Y-H-W-H is breath. God gave a language to the entire planet, no matter what language you speak, everybody every day of their life that wakes up and goes, Anybody woke up this morning and you didn't do that? Can I just see a show of hands? So whether you speak Chinese, whether you're from an, a part of the Middle East, whether you're in South America, you woke up this morning and you went, you worshipped God. Because without His breath, you couldn't do that. His name is the breath that you breathe. Here's the challenge though. Why will people go to hell? They'll go to hell because they just don't realize that the life that they've got is the life that's been given to them. And the arrogance of that will say, I don't need you, God. And, 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 and it's not that God wants to separate himself from you. It's that, that we will separate ourselves from him because we will choose to try and exist outside of that. And God says, yeah, but everything you have, I've given you. And God's not lording it over us arrogantly. He's lovingly saying, come to me. I'm good. Trust me. 
trust me. And so he's done everything he can to tell us a story, to, to illustrate a story, the story of Jesus who's come to show us who the Father is. You want to know who God is? Look at, look at Jesus. That's who God is. God does not bring calamity to you. God does not bring anything like that to you. God is not the author of bad things. We've got to rub that out of our heads. And how do I know that? It's because Jesus, when he came, he said, I represent the Father. Look at me and you know what the Father's like. Did you see Jesus ever when he walked on the earth? Did you ever see him put on people's sickness? I want to teach them a lesson. I'm going to show them how to be more holy. Here, take a bunch of this sickness and then let's see how you deal with that. Oh, let me, let me, the winds are blowing and the waves are going everywhere. Let me, rather than still it, let me just stir it up a bit more because these disciples need to hang on a bit harder. Did you see him do that? Every situation he walked in, he brought peace. He brought healing. He made it right. He brought it into right standing with God. Why? Because God is good. And only goodness comes out of God. So he, br he brings it into good. And so then he invites us into this kingdom where it is a good kingdom. And he says, okay, now you go out and you show people what the kingdom's like. And we say, well, okay, what's that? And he goes, well, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. In other words, set it right. Get rid of the things that I don't want and bring the things I do want. Be agents of my kingdom. And so that's what he's trying to do. And he's trying to free us up on the inside that we actually finally believe that God is a good God. He is a good God. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that happens I agree with. I, I may not like every circumstance I encounter. I may not like everything that happens. But that doesn't mean that God is not good. It means that the world is bad. Stuff happens in the world. People make poor decisions. Those decisions accumulate. You know, the world system is a carnal system. It's a system of selfishness. And so everything that's produced out of that is poor fruit. It's not kingdom fruit. Well, it's a different kingdom. <laughs> it is a kingdom fruit. It's just not our kingdom. And so we're called to walk into the midst of that kingdom and demonstrate the goodness of God. And while the things we don't understand are happening, we trust in that goodness of God. Because he's still good, even though I don't understand it all. And it's interesting, you know, what we're, we're, we're speaking about, we've got a series at the moment on Joseph. <laughs> I, am, I am getting there, by the way. <laughs> Joseph. I always find it hard to fit into the series sometimes, you know, when God's moving. But Joseph's story is a story of a man who actually had to hammer out this idea in his life. Because it didn't go real well to start with. You remember in Joseph, remember his story. He was born into a dysfunctional family. Super dysfunctional. His father Jacob had four wives. One wife is enough for any man, I'm just saying. And I love my wife. She's the best of them all. But one is enough. I need a lot. There's, I don't need... Anyhow, I think that's enough of that. But ja Jacob's problem was he favoured people. He had one favoured wife, her name was Rachel. 
and all the, the kids that Rachel gave him, there was one favoured son, his name was Joseph. But there was 11 others and they all competed for his favour. In the Jewish family, the eldest should have been the one that got his favour, but he didn't. Joseph, who was the 11th, got his favour. Rachel, who wasn't his first wife, but the one he really wanted, was the one that got his favour. And so they were all competing. The wives were competing. The brothers were competing. The sons were competing. There was a daughter in the mix. Lord help the daughter. Because even women in that society didn't have much standing, but she was like the 13th child and a woman. It was a dysfunctional family. Could you imagine what Christmas Day was like at Jacob's table? It would have been awful. It would have been like, here we go again. Imagine the wives of all the brothers. Do we really have to go? Yes, we have to go. Just get through it. You'll be fine. Just sit in the corner. You'll be all right. Play with the kids for a while. Anybody ever said that going to a Christmas lunch? Jacob. And in the midst of that, here's Joseph. And Joseph knows that he's favoured by his father, but he's also immature. And so he tells his brothers just how favoured he is, and his brothers want to kill him. Hello? Hello? Could we have worked out a better way of thinking, Joseph? Joseph was immature, but God had said, Joseph, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to heal your family. I'm going to use you to birth my nation. It's a big, big dream. And Joseph had to go on a big journey to get there. God had to show him what wisdom looked like. God had to show him what a promise looked like. It's one thing to have a promise, but it's another thing to incubate that promise. It's another thing to know how to walk with God in that promise, to let the immaturity of your heart to be worked through so that God can do wise things inside you. So Joseph ends up in the pit. Can I just say this for what it is? He ended up in the pit because he made bad choices. Yes, it's the story of his life, and we look back and we see the story of his life, but it could have gone differently. It really could have, but it didn't. Joseph made bad choices. See, this is where we start to, in our story, this is where we start to blame God. Oh, well, God put him in the pit to teach him something. Did he? Or did his own choices put him in the pit and God met him in the pit to teach him how to get out of the pit? I'd say it's the latter, really. God didn't put him in the pit. He put himself in the pit because he walked down with his coat of many colours to his brothers and he acted like someone who needed a clip around the ear. And he got one. And so what we do is we say, well, Lord, God did it to us. Oh, well, God put me in the pit. God's put me here because he's trying to teach me something. No, God didn't put Joseph in the pit to teach him something. But while he was in the pit, he needed to learn something. And that's a very different perspective, isn't it? And it's the same with us. See, God doesn't bring temptation and testing to you. Go with me to James for a minute. And I know at the back, Ash, you probably know I'm all over the place. So just go with me. James chapter 1. And he says this in, in chapter 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Just want to pause for a minute and explain what that means. The testing of your faith produces patience. What is this thing 
that is being produced in us? What is this thing that God is wanting in Joseph's life? What is this thing that he's wanting in your life? Because it's the same thing. If we can just get hold of this, we can start to cooperate with God, which means less pits and more palaces. Less pits, more palaces. The testing of your faith produces patience. That word patience is a word, if you see it on the screen, it says hoopomene. Hoopomene. And it actually means remain under. The testing of your faith gives you the ability to remain under. In other words, to submit. It's the ability of submission. The testing of your faith is about you learning submission to the will of God, to the ways of God, to the goodness of God. In other words, it's not my will warring against God, but it's me flowing with God. God is my Father. I see Him as good. In His timing, He does what He does, but I will trust Him in the meantime. I will walk with Him. I will fellowship with Him. I will flow with Him. He is my God, and I belong to Him. I am His Son. And so my Father will look after His Son. I don't have to strive for that attention. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to impress you. I don't have to impress my boss. I don't have to impress anyone. I've just got to walk with God. I've got to keep God as my focus. Because my, I need to learn how to do hoop omine. Hoop omine. I need to learn how to remain under. Submit. So the testing of my faith teaches me submission. But what if I already have this submission to God? Well, then I'm not being tested, am I? Read the next bit. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Black and white, folks. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Can you see the pattern here? We have preached this the wrong, wrong way around. God is not tempting you. We are being drawn away by our own issues. Joseph got in the pit because he made bad decisions. He didn't understand. God had given him a dream and given him a promise, but the way to get there wasn't to flaunt it in front of his brothers, not to take it into his ego machine and make it part of his self-promotion doctrine. I'm going to promote myself to the top. I'm going to let them know they're going to bow down to me. I'm going to work out a strategy to get there. No, God gave him a dream. God was going to bring it to pass. So learn who is the person behind the dream and trust him. Let God bring it to pass. Now, I'm not saying you don't walk through the doors that are open. You do that. But it's not about, well, I will make it happen. I will strive to, because that's not called remaining under. That's not submission. That's me making it happen. That's me determining my footsteps. But the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so God's trying to, God wants us to cooperate with Him. But when we don't cooperate with Him, we get ourselves in strife. We find ourselves in pit. We get ourselves sold to Egyptian slave traders. And we find ourselves in Potiphar's house. And we, we find ourselves on this great journey as we're learning to submit to God. 
And finally, as Joseph learns to submit with, to God, God is able to then pick him up and use him in a different way because Joseph is flowing with God, you see. If he'd have learned it five years earlier, he'd have flowed with God earlier. The Bible says that testing and temptation are linked because the temptation is to lean on your own understanding. The temptation is not to acknowledge him in all my ways, but to, to acknowledge my ways and ask God to bless them. Well, God, I've done this and I've done that and I've done that. Now, God, would you bless what I've done so that it turns out that my dream will come to pass? Well, God's under no obligation to bless that at all. He says, I've already blessed you. I've given you Jesus. I've given you the cross. I've given you the resurrection. I've given you my spirit. I've given you my power. I've given you my promise. What else do you want? Oh, well, I want you to do something with this bill. And so we conditionalize everything that God's doing and we ask God to jump through this hoop right here to prove himself. God says, I don't have to jump through that hoop to prove myself. I've already proved myself. Can you see that God is asking us to rest in him, to seek him, to let him direct our footsteps in the way that they go? There's a wonderful verse, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. I remember seeing that plaque on my, the wall of my grandmother's house the whole time I was growing up. It was this ornate floral thing. I can still picture it. White background, pink roses, roses, florally sort of squirrely writing. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean on on your own understanding. And it was framed very ornately, sitting on her wall. And it was there in the first house I can remember as a child. And then when she moved to her second house and finally in the place she, she uh, left this earth from, it was on, on, on always on the wall. And I never understood why she carried that, that verse, of all the verses, why she carried that verse. Until after she'd passed away and the family were going through her letters, her records. And her eldest daughter was a missionary in Papua New Guinea at the time that this happened. And so she'd written a letter to her eldest daughter. Because six months before that, her and her husband, he'd worked in the Telegraph, uh, whatever it was, you know, and during the war and all that. He worked very hard, very long hours shift work and she'd take meals into him all the time at night time and he, he got all the way through to his 60s and then they were, he was retiring and he had this lovely, um, it wasn't that lovely when I used to see it, but it was a trailer and he'd taken the trailer and he'd built it in so they were going to go and pull this trailer around Australia together and just spend time. He'd worked so hard, shift work and all that, but now it was their time, it was their time to be together. And so he just finished doing it all up, they'd taken it out for a little trip down to Redland Bay, because back in those days, of course, the trip to Redland Bay was like, you know, a long, long way to go from wherever you lived. So down to Redland Bay to check it out, and she brought it back. He'd gone for a walk with the dog. He came back, and he came inside to the sitting room outside, had a massive heart attack and died right there. And she'd come out, and he was just lying there. And she jumped, and the letter was writing about how she jumped up on his chest, and she was pounding his chest, screaming, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. And she pumped 
And the neighbours could hear this shriek and this cry from everywhere. They came in. We had no idea as a family. But that's what she'd done. It was in this letter. She was detailing to her daughter all the things that had happened. He was 61 years of age. She was 56. They were about to start. I'm 55. (laughs) They were about to begin this wonderful retirement. And he was gone. Why, God? Why have you done this to me? Or trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I don't understand why this happened, but God, you are good. And I know this about my grandmother. I didn't know about the pain of that story, but I know that she had drummed into us. There wouldn't be a birthday card I received for the rest of my life, while she was alive anyway, that didn't have Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 on it. And she was saying to me, this is the key to your life, boy. Forged out of steel, out of the furnace of experience that you cannot explain. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. The challenge for us is doing it. (laughs) It's the hardest thing. The hardest thing the human heart will do is surrender its will to the Father. It's It's the hardest journey. It's why it's the very crucible of your faith. Can you surrender? Can you hupomone? Can you remain under? Because if you do, it's the patience. The testing of your faith produces patience. How do I get tested? I go through the times when I don't understand with my head, but I trust with my heart, and I release it to God. You don't think Joseph, as he was in the pit, at times was saying, how on earth is this dream going to come to pass? But he was learning how to let it go and let God do what God did. And what he did is just minister to the people in front of him. He did what was in front of him, and God took it and promoted him. But he just took the little points of obedience. Can I tell you, it's hard to move in the Holy Ghost if you've got unforgiveness in your heart. If he's sitting in that place, and this guy's got a dream, and his dream, what, can you please interpret my dream? If there's anger in his heart, he's going to go, I don't care about your dream. God doesn't, doesn't care about my dream. Why would I care about yours? You can't flow with God if you've got unforgiveness in your heart. Somehow that guy was able to look at that bloke and say, I'm going to interpret your dream for you because you need the ministry of the Lord now. It's not about me. It's about what God's going to do in your life. I'm going to remain under him. He's put me here, but I'm going to minister to you. And in the selflessness of that moment, he was starting to get promoted in the spirit. You could see what God was doing. God was pulling the man out of the boy. He was bringing the man of God out of the inside of his heart. This is the sort of leader I need who's going to restore my family, who's going to incubate this nation. That's what it looks like. Joseph. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I reckon today there's a message in that for someone. Put your faith in Him. Put your faith in Him. Can we pray? God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for what you call us to. Oh, it's a great and wonderful journey of your kingdom, Father God. You ask us, Lord, that, to come on the adventure with you. God, to place our faith in you. God, we don't always know what's going to happen down the road. We can't explain always everything that's happened behind us. But God, today, Father God, afresh, 
we come to you again with our hearts. And God, we say we trust you. We release responsibility and we trust you. We allow your peace and your rest to come into our heart and around our lives. We will stand in the midst of our circumstances and worship you. We will stand in the midst of the life that you've given us and we will see you and we will declare you. God, we won't always understand, but God, we know that's not always our place. We trust you. Father, would you help each one of us today, I pray. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.